Good morning, Bentley Baptist. Uh, just a few announcements. Just to let you know, we're experimenting now with the uh, the two-way vision uh, on the camera here. So actually, as we watch, I'm looking out and I'm seeing in various places. Oh yeah, I can see some people there on the couch, a couple over there in bed. Yeah, good to see you all this morning. Um, stay tuned for announcements about opening and recommencing some ministries as restrictions lift. We're working through uh, the plans, the COVID plans to, that we have to have to be able to, for that to happen. Uh, there's going to be a ministry leaders meeting coming up. Stay tuned with the FOB and with emails to see these things. Uh, next week we'll have a special guest preacher, so to be revealed. But we'll get into ongoing uh, Ephesians off to chapter 2. I wonder, can anyone identify this steam engine? Uh, it's one of, one of, if not the most famous train in the world. It's the Flying Scotsman, completed in 1923. Uh, at, you know, amazing. 30th of November, 1934, the Flying Scotsman enters the record books, breaking the 100 mile per hour speed barrier. Later in life, it became the longest running um, steam engine because it did a trip of 422 miles without stopping. It's been adored by generations of people in England and throughout the world, uh, generally running the, the run from Edinburgh to London. And it's traveled, it's been across the US, Canada, it's came, it came to Australia, went from Sydney to Perth and back. And, and actually it's traveled around the world. <clears throat> Powerful, fast, reliable, did a magnificent job over 40 years of its working life. But 1962, it was announced by the British Railway, the Flying Scotsman, this 4472 locomotive, after more than 2 million miles of faithful service, was going to be retired. And not only retired, it was going to be scrapped. Last uh, scheduled run occurred on 14th of January, 1963. All good things must come to an end. The march of time had occurred. The Scotsman was worn out. Now, Responding to that, some people were absolutely horrified. So they banded together and they formed a group called Save Our Scotsman. But they were unable to raise the required 3,000 pounds, which was the scrap value of the locomotive. So the train, which had started out so gloriously, was destined for the scrap heap to be cut up and turned into parts and other pieces of metal. That's kind of sad. <laughs> Something that began so wonderfully ended up destined for scrap. And of course, there's something in this story that parallels our story as people. The story of the Bible tells of a beautiful creation from God's hand, harmony, order and perfection. And the crowning glory of this creation are human beings, men and women who were designed to rule this creation and do it in peace and justice, reflecting the heart and character of the God who had created them. But we know things didn't work out as planned. Human beings chose not to trust God. Instead, seeking the fruit of knowledge and independence from God, from God, they listened to the snake who had come to deceive them. And what was a glorious world overseen by these glorious creatures made in God's image started to decline. So let's read Ephesians chapter 2. It speaks about what happened to these people who were made in God's image. As for you, 
You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So the assumption of these verses is that human beings didn't keep their exalted position and condition. We became dead in transgression and sin, following the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that's now in work, at work at those in disobedient, those who are disobedient. So we read the early stories of the Bible. We see the devil at work, tempting people, and we see people responding to that temptation, uh, failing to trust God and listening instead to the devil. And these verses assume that reality continues, that the fall of humanity was not just something that happened a long time ago, but the conditions of the fall continue throughout history and in our lives. The first humans, Adam and Eve, listened to the devil, and human beings have continued to listen to the devil, the spirit at work in those who are disobedient. The process continues today. We, as they, follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. This virus of sin, of independence from God, has gone through history and has infected the whole world, every one of us. The consequences of that initial fall were shame, guilt, and fear. God came to meet with the people, but they turned away. Here in Ephesians, Paul is saying, we all lived among them. We lived in a place not of spiritual peace and harmony with God, but gratifying the cravings of the flesh, following its desires and thoughts. We had hoped and still hoped that our own strength and ability, we could fix things up. We could sort our lives out. But we ended up ruled by the flesh. And human life has exhibited this for centuries. At a national level, we have wars and conflicts. At family level, we have disputes and abuse. At a personal level, we have selfishness and indulgence. Now, we don't exhibit all these things all of the time. It's not as if there is nothing good in us. Uh, we are made in the image of God after all, but there is an inability of us to chart the right course, inability to continue to act with grace and kindness, an inability to rely on and continue to trust God. We all stumble in many ways, as another scripture will say. And the conclusion of this, like the rest, everyone, we were by nature deserving of wrath. In the AA movement, it says that we came to realize we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Now, it may be alcohol is not the issue for all of us, but the starting point in our journey of reality with God is this. This is the truth, that we, our lives have become unmanageable. We are powerless over this thing in us called sin. We're not in the place we should be. Perhaps we're not as bad as we could be, but our lives individually and corporately are not perfect. In fact, far from it. And this story is woven through the Bible, a message that there is an accountability for our lives. What we do, what we think, the choices we make. There will come a time when we will have to answer for those things and not one of us can stand on that day and say, 
we've done everything blamelessly. So the hammer falls and the decision rings out over our humanity. Fallen, deserving of wrath. Like the train, the outcome of the career of our lives has left us not destined for glory, but for the scrap heap. The story of the Flying Scotsman inter intersects with the life of this man. This is Alan Pegler. Now I wonder if you've ever watched the wonder of a young child, uh, like a steam engine goes past, close up. It's, wow, they're huge, they're impressive, noisy. Alan saw the Flying Scotsman for the first time at the British Empire exhibition in Wembley in 1924, uh, not long after it had been released. He was just four years old. He was captivated by it. And so began a lifelong love affair that would define his life. So inside, from that moment, he developed a passion. He loved the Flying Scotsman. This passion would be instrumental in him, in motivating him for what he did later. 1946, he joined the family business. It was the Northern Rubber Company. Business was good, he made a lot of money. This gave him capacity. Uh, he had the ability now to make a difference. His passion would not just be an idea, he now had the capacity to do something about it. And after discovering that there was no example of the type of locomotive that had pulled the Flying Scotsman, there's no example of that having been preserved. He remembered the experience of his youth, seeing the Flying Scotsman in a glorious green regalia. He remembered how it felt, and he's been interested in trains ever since. So he saw the locomotive, 4474, he saw that it was destined for the scrap heap. So in 1963, he made a decision, seeing that they couldn't raise the money, uh, even though all these people tried, they couldn't purchase the locomotive. He stepped in, he put in the money from, from his own money, and he made a commitment to begin a process of seeing the Flying Scotsman returned to glory. Now, of course, there's a parallel with the reading in Ephesians. Alan Pegler had the passion, he had the capacity, and he made a commitment at great personal cost to begin the process of restoration. And this, of course, is very similar to what God has done for human beings, for us. Let's read verse four, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is one of the clearest summaries of the good news in the Bible. We start from the point in the previous reading, like the rest, we are objects of wrath, destined for destruction, destined for the scrap heap. But God was not willing for that to happen. He, he had this great love for us. Right from the start, God had this incredible desire to know and to nurture each one of us. He was a loving father and he wanted to nurture and love his children. 
we had turned away from him. But God is rich in mercy. That is what God is like. And God had the capacity. He had all the riches of heaven. His perfect son, by coming to the earth, living as one of us, giving up his life for us on the cross, rising from the dead, the way was made open for us to be rescued. We were dead in transgression, but through God's grace, his kindness to us, we've been saved. And not only saved, but raised up with Christ. We talked about a higher perspective. We are raised to a higher place and seated with him in the heavenly realms, we're told. This is eternal. It is in the coming ages. People will see this and they'll celebrate God's grace. They'll be amazed at God's kindness and what he's done. Forever grateful for the one who gave all for us, who restored us, rescued us from the scrap heap. The personal cost was amazing. God risked everything in allowing Jesus to die. Jesus trusted God implicitly that in dying there would be life beyond the grave, even though nobody else had been raised like this. This action of God, his commitment to begin to restore us at great personal cost is going to be celebrated forever in the coming ages, which is eternity. So the work of restoring the Flying Scotsman began, but it wasn't easy. It needed a new boiler. Uh, many problems were encountered. There were cracks in the cylinders, rising metal prices, cracks in the horn blocks. In fact, cracks all over the place. The locomotive had been subject to strain and wear and tear, and there were many areas that were beyond repair and had to be replaced or re-engineered. So it was stripped down, pulled apart, gradually put back together. It took longer than expected. It was more expensive than first envisaged. A report came out that said the, the, the extent of the work had been greatly underestimated. The management of the project lacked expertise and there was an overly optimistic mood was, which was not backed up by engineering realities. The locomotive was restored to the level of being able to be displayed in the museum. And people came to see it, it looked wonderful. The crowd came, they stared at it. This was the great flying Scotsman. It could travel at 100 miles an hour. It looked so good. But it wasn't restored. It looked magnificent in the museum. But a locomotive in the museum is not fulfilling the function for which it was created. The restoration would not be complete until it was back on the line pulling the carriages. And that, I think, is a very important point, because if we think about the story of the Bible, many times people emphasize that God sending Jesus to forgive our sins and rescue us from the scrap heap is, as bad as, is about as far as the good news goes. Just take the old baby, whack on some paint, things look good, presto, you've got a restoration. But that's not really restoration, is it? That's rescue, yes, but restoration involves more. You see, the gospel is not just about a new paint job. It's not just about forgiveness of sin. Yes, it is, but there is more. Thankfully, those restoring the Flying Scotsman were not content just to do a paint job. They were intent uh, not just displaying uh, a restored locomotive, but restoring it to fully functioning reality. Anything less would not be worthy of the great Flying Scotsman.
Paul goes on in his letter. He summarizes what's been done so far. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. He points us towards realizing it is God's grace that has initiated this restoration project of salvation. Remember, we were destined for the scrap heap, but God loved us. He was gracious towards us. Salvation wasn't possible. They tried to fix the flying Scotsman. Let's try and pay the price. They gathered together. They couldn't do it. They didn't have the capacity until Alan Pegler stepped in, a man with passion, capacity, and commitment. God had those same things. This was not our doing. We couldn't fix ourselves. Nobody else could fix us. And so there's no cause for boasting. Rather, we should recognize where the credit lies and give the credit where it's due. Give the glory and honor to God for the praise of his glory, we'll read in Ephesians. He has done it. But God was not content just to rescue us, just to forgive us, just as even to live forever with him. These are all good things. God's plan was full and complete restoration to full functionality. He designed us to carry, to carry the responsibility of looking after this planet on his behalf, to rule over the creation that he had made. And he was not, and I think is not, content to stop short of anything less than full restoration to full functionality. So we read verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's just not about a paint job on the outside. It's not just about calling ourselves Christians. This is about being restored to full functionality. There are good works that God has destined us to do, that God himself won't do, but he's given them for us to do. Humanity is meant to rule over creation. God won't do that. He'll do that through us for his glory. That's what he intended at the beginning. And the full restoration of that plan is what God has in mind when he saves us. He wants a full restoration. There are good works prepared in advance. God wishes that we will glorify him on earth as we reflect him. We, we, we're like him in nature as we relate to people. There's meant to be righteous and righteousness, justice, peace, how we do parenting, how we do business. Everything is meant to be impacted by this restoration. God wants us to glorify him, to reflect his character. And really to become like Jesus is what that looks like. To follow Jesus and further his mission of restoring humanity and ultimately all creation. God's purpose, full restoration, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But just like with the Flying Scotsman, there may be some cracks in the boiler. There may be some problems occurring. Uh, it's not just a paint job. It's got to go deeper. The work has to be thorough. 
we need to dig down, let the restoration happen at the core. It means, as for the disciples of Jesus, a day by day following, learning his ways, putting aside the old ways, being transformed into his image. Year by year, gradually being transformed. The price for this has been paid. We have been rescued from the scrap heap. And now we're in the process of being restored. Not so that we can just look good, but so that we can be involved in changing the world. So that we can glorify God in this life and ultimately in eternity. January 2016, the great overhaul and reconditioning was completed. A locomotive went back into service, not just to sit in the museum gathering dust, but to take people where they needed to go, to bless them. The final cost of the restoration, far more than initially imagined, it was four and a half million pounds. Now, it's long life, approaching 100 years now, the Flying Scotsman has told the story of a great vision, of incredible performance, eventually of being destined for scrap, and somebody coming along and seeing this decommissioned, scrap-worthy piece of stuff and deciding to rescue. And since then, of a series of restorations to restore it to full glory. The story of the Flying Scotsman essentially is our own story. We too began with great promise. We had the capability to do great things. But through sin, we lost contact with our creator. Um, sin damaged us. We've become worn and hardened and broken, unable to glorify our maker. We've, we've, we've gratified the desires of the flesh and the mind rather than serving God. But into that situation of hopelessness, God stepped in, sent his son, paid the price for our rescue from the scrap heap. And when we put our trust in Jesus, our future is made secure. We're not on the scrap heap. But God is then creating a process of restoration to raise us with Jesus to the heavenly places. And on this earth, for us to do the good works that God has prepared, to be restored to full functionality, what God intended for humanity, so that he may be glorified in us, through us, and the world might be governed well, and people would see his glory. Not just a paint job, so we can be a museum piece, but a complete transformation to full functionality. That's where he's taking us. Let's go with him on that ride. Lord, help us be restored. Thank you. You have stepped in and paid the price. You had the capacity. You gave the commitment. Lord, we are so grateful to you. May we know um, the blessing. And may we also know, Lord, the depth of transformation. Fix up those things in us, Lord, that are still broken. Uh, where we still continue to turn our own way, Lord, we want to turn to you. 
that the good works that you prepared in advance for us, that we may do them uh, in our families, in our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces, that in this world there will be people who reflect your glory. Thank you, you've given us your spirit to help us in this. Bless you in Jesus' name.